Welcome to the Startup Competitors Podcast, where we talk with early stage entrepreneurs to understand what information they use to inform product roadmap, strategy, and market differentiation. Welcome to the show. Today we have Wilker Ambukin, who's the co founder at Snap Support. Wilker, welcome. Thank you, Mike. Thank you for having me here. Why don't we start off with a quick overview of Snap Support and what you do? Absolutely. Uh, so before we get into Snap Support, I want to give a small context of where we, where we are focused on. Uh, so think about equipment manufacturers. Think about companies who have service organizations where they have field technicians uh, who go out to customer locations to fix problems. So I'll, I'll take you to that, that context. Now, those companies have two key issues today. Well, re- real quick, can give me an example of one of those companies, and it, it doesn't have to be a current customer or anything like that, but like make, make that tangible. Is that... You can think about, um, let's say Thermo Fisher is a device manufacturer or uh, Ream uh, is a hot water equipment uh, manufacturer. So companies like that. Awesome. Thank you. So the, the problem those companies have today is these equipments or devices, they're getting very sophisticated, very complicated, right? So the support that they have to do is becoming very sensitive. So customers need it fixed ASAP, but at the same time, the sophistication create challenges. The second problem that they are facing is over the next decade or so, many of the experienced uh, problem solvers for these companies, they are going to retire, which means they're going to take a lot of their knowledge with them. So these are challenges that these equipment manufacturers have to deal with. And that's where we come in. So Snap Support is an AI-driven support platform on your phone, on your customer's phone, on your field technician's phone that allows them to quickly resolve issues through various means. It could be AI-driven chatbots. It could be live video to help themselves. You can do annotations on the live video, etc. So we provide them quite a bit of tools uh, to quickly resolve any issues that come up. Walk through the user experience a little bit, maybe in a little bit more depth on the client side. Not Maybe not because you just gave a couple of examples of maybe that support personnel, but what what might I see if I like run a support department or run like what's that that kind of higher level customer view? Sure. Yeah. So let's talk about the perspective of a customer. I have a, a equipment at home or maybe in the office and now I'm I'm running a project or a experiment on that equipment. All of a sudden I'm running into a problem today. What you will do is you'll pick up the phone, call the company and you'll be connected to somebody on the other side at the, uh, at the equipment manufacturer's customer support department. You may wait for 10 minutes to get connected, but once you're connected, you're going to, on the phone, tell them, hey, this is the problem that I'm having. Uh, please help me. Uh, if it's something easy, then the customer support person can guide you on the phone, talk you through uh, how to resolve it. And many times, they send a field technician out to your place, to the customer's place, uh, in the next day or two uh, to help fix those issues. So there's a huge delay uh, where the customer is actually down uh, when the issue happens until the issue is resolved. 
Got it. And then the experience, if I'm using Snap support, what does that look like? So, yeah, great. So when you use Snap support, first of all, when the customer runs into a problem, they just open Snap support. Snap support will, you, you, you can use Snap support to guide you, yourself, depending on what the issue is, through a flowchart based troubleshooting checklist. That's one. So the customer has the nice. option. To, yeah. So the customer has the option to resolve issues themselves using the flowchart. If they are not able to do that, all the data that they uh, use when they try to troubleshoot using the flowchart, that along with videos uh, or photos with annotations can be sent to the customer support team on the other side of Snap Support. Okay. Now, the customer support team of that equipment or device manufacturer gets all the information up front. What the issue is, what is that the customer is seeing, what is the pain point, everything is there even before me as a customer support person contacts the customer. So now I can, I can uh, behind the scenes, talk to the expert, uh, get all the information. Then I can connect uh, to the customer using either chat or live video and guide them through a quick resolution. And here's the kicker. If I'm not able to resolve it on the phone, now I have all the information to give it to my field technician who can then make sure they have all the appropriate spare parts, all the information before they go to the end user customer site. So you're basically reducing your truck rolls and reducing the downtime for your end user. Are you typically embedded in like the manufacturer's support app or something like that? Or is it a standalone app? How does, how do you, what is that experience like? So we, we go both ways. So you can use Snap Support as a standalone app. Or we could just white label it also uh, for the customer. Or you could, we could, they could embed us within their maybe an existing support platform that they got it. All right, can you go a little bit deeper into maybe some of the technology behind the scenes on the the AI piece and what you guys are doing there? Yeah, that's a that's a great uh, great place to go. Yeah, so remember, every interaction within Snap Support is actually a data point. Now, what, is that, what does that mean? That means that we can use that data in an aggregate fashion and give you AI-driven chatbots. So let's say uh, a particular equipment is having similar issue over and over again across different customers. And tomorrow, let's say, Mike, uh, you are the user of this equipment and you run into a problem. Now, my AI-driven, Snap supports AI-driven chatbot can now guide you to resolve that issue without even bothering to connect with the customer support team of that manufacturer. How beautiful is that? Nice. Don't even bother connecting to them. Snap support, within Snap support, can help you guide to a resolution. Do you have real stats from the field around that that you can share? Yeah, so um, so our, uh, our biggest customer uh, is out of uh, New Zealand and Australia, they have about 700 technicians uh, using the system. Uh, they've been using us for the last two years. What we have seen with them is they are able to resolve a lot of the, their issues quicker and they are able to take more projects from their national telco. Uh, so we have some stats around what was it before. So before using Snap Support, they had the, their field service managers had to uh, you know, go to the site, then run into a problem, come back to their HQ, 
with the problem details, talk to the experts, the designers, and then go back on the same day or another day uh, at the loss of time uh, and then uh, get the project back on track again. So we have stats with, uh, with our biggest customer to, to know that we have been saving them quite a bit of time and money on their projects. Nice. Hit me with some current stats for the business overall. If somebody listening wanted to have an idea of where you are at on your startup journey, any vanity metrics or details you can share to help paint a picture of how big the team is, revenue, customers, anything you want to share. Sure. Uh, so it's been an exciting, very exciting two and a half years uh, with Snap Support. So we've been in existence for that long. Uh, our largest customer, I, like I mentioned earlier, is a company out of New Zealand, Australia. They have 700 technicians using the system. We have a couple of other uh, customers here. So we have a customer here in LA. They have about 30 plus users using the system. Uh, we have a couple of pilots running. To be precise, I think we, we have about three pilots running uh, with multi-billion dollar corporations. They are all pretty big. And, and those uh, pilots will probably convert uh, sometime. Uh, we are expecting in the next, uh, first half of next year. Our revenues um, are uh, around 100K per year at this point. But our focus is, as we're doing here, our focus is to get our name known out there. Uh, so marketing and sales is where we are going to focus next uh, to grow the business. Awesome. I think before you and I hopped on uh, the podcast, you had mentioned that your co-founder was flying out to Malaysia, correct? So you're in California. Uh, they right now are in Malaysia. You have clients in Australia. I mean, you're like totally a global company already, and you're just getting started. Yeah, we are. We are. So Madhu Augustin, he is the co-founder and CEO at Snap Support. It was his uh, idea originally because he used to work for a uh, for a device manufacturer, and he saw this problem where the company had to send their field technicians out multiple times to fix problems. Uh, so, yeah, so he's uh, traveling to Malaysia right now to meet a client. We have, so yeah, we have clients uh, in uh, New Zealand, Australia. We have clients in the U.S. Our pilots, surprisingly, uh, two of them are in Europe. Uh, so we are, we are uh, growing <laughs> out to be all over the place, yes. So... Okay, let we're going to spend a little time on that. Like cuz that is for a company that's under or you know just at or around a, a 100k in ARR, like to to have that kind of a global footprint seems surprising to me. What like what it was that intentional? What what's driven some of that? Um it was not uh, exactly intentional. Our focus initially was the US market and and Europe. But our first client, this was two years ago, uh, they found us, believe it or not, on Google. They did a Google search and found us, and we were not even trying. So uh, <laughs> this, <laughs> the CTO of, uh, of the company, he found us on Google. He contacted us. Uh, we showed him a demo. Remember, remember that back then, it was a very early stage demo, but he was pretty impressed. And six months later, he said, let's go with it. And they've been with us ever since. Uh, so, yeah, we didn't plan to be global this early in the game, but it just, just happened. And then then um, we were part of an accelerator out in Europe. And one of the pilots is through that, uh, through that, that accelerator. And uh, uh, the other European 
pilots uh, through plug and play here in the US. We got connected to them through plug and play. And were you in the plug and play accelerator as well? Yeah, so we we have been part of the plug and play ecosystem for the last uh, I would say more than a year now. We've been part of their IoT platform, we've been part of their uh, um, enterprise platform as well. So yeah, we've been a plug and play ecosystem company for the last uh, one year. So I'd love well wait, I don't man, I don't want to leave the international stuff yet. Okay, we're coming back to plug and play and the other accelerator. I'm going to bookmark those and then I have a couple more questions on the international piece because it's a like for me, it's a big black box. So I'm like super intrigued by this. Do you, so are, you're already multilingual, you support internationalization across the board or these are customers who are fine using English or to talk a little bit about that from a technology perspective? Sure. So with uh, Europe, uh, I think we are focused on English at this time. However, uh, we do support multiple languages. So for example, we were giving a demo to a Japanese potential client. And at that time, we had to work on giving multilingual support in in Snap support. So we support Japanese already. Uh, We can support any other languages if needed. We've done it for one. It's very easy at that time. Uh, to do it for any other so and then the two other big things that occur to me when i think of taking a company international and i'm sure there are more but ip protections any concerns there anything you've had to do special as you enter new markets uh, so far we have uh, not run into anything like that so we are we are a cloud-based uh, SaaS company so we are on aws so far we have not had any issues with ip you know, it's very easy to, so we host our own uh, setup on the cloud. So it's been good so far. So you've not had to set up any kind of weird offices hosting or anything that has to deal with deep packet inspection and none of that stuff yet? None of that stuff yet. Lucky you. Awesome. <laughs> okay, cool. So two accelerators. Talk to me about, I guess, first overall thoughts. Uh, so it was plug and play here. And then do you remember the name of the accelerator in Europe? Yeah, the European one is Combient. Uh, Combient Accelerator is the one that introduced us to to one of the pilots uh, happening in uh, Europe right now. So then, overall, what was your experience with Plug and Play and Combient? Maybe I mean you could talk about them as a package or individually. I'd, I'd love thoughts on just in terms of like why did you guys like from a timing perspective? Why did you guys choose to go the accelerator path? What have you gotten out of it? I just macro level thoughts would be great as a place to start. Sure. Um, so I, with, with our experience with plug and play and Combient, uh, it's been extremely fantastic. I would say the accelerators of today's world, they play a huge role in bringing together startups like, like Snap Support uh, and potential customers. So with plug and play, for example, and same with Combient, they have been able to connect us uh, to the right people within those corporations that could be a potential customer for us. So let's say without the accelerator, we would be searching up on LinkedIn, hitting up potential people on LinkedIn and saying, hey, you know, uh, inter- trying to get introduced. But it's a challenge. Uh, may- many times you, a lot of folks ignore uh, LinkedIn messages. But with uh, Plug and Play and Combient, because they have these relationships with corporates, it's very easy and we get connected to the right person at the right time. So a lot of those folks who come to those meetings, we call it deal flow. 
at plug and play. So these these individuals who come to these deal flows, they have that innovation mindset. They are looking for the next thing that can change the way or disrupt the way they do business or help their business to to get to the next level in terms of efficiencies and things like that. So accelerators for us have been fantastic. Nice. This episode is brought to you by Full Stack PEO. Most founders start companies because they figured out a better way to solve a problem or serve a need, not because they love tracking payroll, filling out compliance forms, and explaining employee benefits packages. And yet, all that stuff still has to be done. That's why there's Full Stack PEO. Full Stack PEO specializes in turnkey HR for emerging companies, not just those core services, but advice and expertise that help founders maximize employee potential. Curious? Find out more at fullstackpeo.com. All right, let's get to the competition side of things. When you think of competitors in the space, who or what comes to mind? That, that's a pretty uh, interesting topic because I don't want to say we don't have com- competitors. It, it, it doesn't work like that. Right? We have competitors. <laughs> but what, <laughs> well, what we have seen is the way we do things is a little different compared to some of the other competition uh, that we see out there. So to pick a pick a name, let's say Sitecall. Uh, I don't want to name names, but so companies, uh, some of the companies are focused just on the AR side of things. Um, so their focus is very narrow. And the, there are assumptions in place already that they are ready for AR. Where we come in is a little different. We We want to be a data player. So we want to have uh, data play a huge role in guiding with the issues that customers face or field technicians face. So we we sort of have a three or two prong plan. One is let's enable the companies today to help themselves. And what I mean by that is how can I be relevant today and get them ready for the future? So today is your customer is down. They need help ASAP. They need to be up and running ASAP. So Snap Support provides a platform where those customers can either use chatbots or annotation-based video calls, live video calls to help themselves after they connect to the expert. That's one. Second is, now, as I I mentioned before, we're a data play. Every interaction is a data point. So today we're helping them resolve the issues quickly, but at the same time we're building that data so that tomorrow that data can drive chatbots and other intelligent recommendations that you don't even at that point need your level one support to step in. So we, we are helping them today with a vision into the future of not even needing that expert where they can remotely fix it themselves. Have you found any ways yet to leverage data across clients? Like, is there any patterns or insights you've been able to, to glean across clients that's been useful or you just not, not enough data yet? Uh, that's a beautiful question. And it has come up before uh, with, with, uh, in conversations uh, where, hey, can we use uh, the data of our competitor to help us? But uh, we, 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 so data is very key and private to a company. So we don't, we don't mix data uh, between the companies. So every company has their own silo of data because it's sensitive to them. So we don't, we don't use data across platforms uh, to guide other companies unless 
unless the companies themselves, both of them together, agree to do so. Got it. What trends do you see right now in the space that you're in that that you think you're either well positioned for or poorly positioned for? And if you're poorly positioned for, what do you what are the plans to address that? When we talk to a lot of these companies, we do see um, many of them are still using multiple different systems uh, to get to solve their problems, right? So they might be using one system for ticketing. They might be using another system for knowledge base. Many of these companies are using disparate systems to solve the problem. Uh, So that's a challenge a lot of these companies are having. So what we are trying to do in that space is uh, we are trying to be uh, our main focus is solving the problems using data-driven analytics uh, and and uh, various tools. But we are also enabling them on the fringes by creating their own knowledge base within the system. So we want them to use Snap Support as an end-to-end uh, unless they want to go deeper in one silo where they need a uh, need a separate tool. But we want to provide them with uh, many of medium-sized companies, right? We want to provide them with with a tool, with a single tool possibly, where they can do most of the tasks and and focus on especially helping the customers uh, get get back to using their equipment quickly as possible, solving their problem. Yeah. I think I know the answer on this one based on the conversation so far, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Do you, do you guys feel like you found product market fit or are you still, as you bring on new clients and new improved concepts, are you still discovering kind of customer needs that are driving innovation on the platform? Yeah, so quick answer there is we are always learning. Different customers give us different perspectives. And then we look at, uh, does it fit in our long-term planning for Snap support? Uh, so we, we keep learning. But I'll answer a different piece of that as well. So because it's a great, great question. Initially, our focus with Snap Support was helping field technicians. So if you had uh, field teams, they go out in the field, they run into a problem, at least how do companies help those field technicians uh, move quickly? That was our initial focus. But recently, maybe about six to eight months ago, we spoke to a client that wanted to use a potential client that wanted to use us to help their end users and customers. And that was a different revelation for us because we were always thinking, hey, you know, we, we just focus on field technicians. Uh, the customers were not sort of in our vision or in our view. But then uh, when talking to this client, we realized, hey, you know, this could be perfect for the end customers as well. In fact, it could be a benefit because they can use Snap Support initially to help the end customers. And then we can use that data that the end customers have tried. So let's say we give them a checklist of things to do and that still does not resolve it. The end customer can then send that checklist of things that they have done to the customer support group. So now they know what what all has been tried already and they don't have to have the customer go through all that again. Uh, so it turned turned out to be an advantage uh, for us in enabling Snap Support for the end customer as well. So one of our pilot is in that space where we are helping the actual end customer. Uh, but I think it's looking to be a good place to go uh, with Snap Support. So customer support as well as and customer support as well as field technician support. The combination seems to seems to be a deadly one. A very good one. I like it. 
you had said earlier, kind of the focus was shifting, uh, or maybe this is just what I heard, but the focus was shifting a lot more to sales and marketing now, uh, just overall for the company. Talk a little bit about that sales process. When you start talking to a prospect, what does that conversation look like? Are you educating them on just kind of what's possible and what you can do? Or do they already know that solutions like this are out there and exist and it's more of just helping them understand how you do what you do? I always mention customer support is is boring, right? So if it's working, just <laughs> just continue to work. So so change change is difficult. So a lot of uh, these companies uh, they have a process in place. It may not be efficient uh, completely, but because the process is working and that's been there for a while, they continue with it. In our conversations, it, we have seen different. Uh, perspectives we've seen companies who know that it can be more efficient uh, and they they the, it opens their eyes when they see uh, solutions like ours and there are other companies who uh, we have to say hey this is possible uh, and those are the companies where they have been doing things a certain way uh, and and it's just a matter of telling them hey we can we can do it better and this is how we can do it better and this is the cost. So the ROI sheet that we show to many potential clients is is mind-boggling for them because they are able to see returns uh, at, at uh, not, not a huge cost uh, to them. So, uh, yeah, so we've seen both sides of the spectrum. Nice. So I'm going to test a new question on you. This is one that I'm thinking about making a regular recurring question. So forgive me if it comes out a little bit clunky, but uh, I think this might be the first time I'm asking it. Okay. If I gave you half a million dollars right now as an investor, and I said you had to spend it all on sales and marketing, how do you think you would spend it? Uh, so with uh, Snap Support, our last two years have been uh, focusing on the product and the product market fit. And uh, Madhu and I, uh, we have a team of engineers. Uh, we have about six engineers. But Madhu and I, we have been focusing on the sales and marketing. So if we have an investor giving us uh, half a million dollars, uh, our focus would be, you know, uh, set up a marketing, uh, a small, efficient marketing team, uh, maybe one person to begin with or two people to begin with to, to get our uh, marketing act in place because we are definitely weak uh, in that area. And then and the sales as well. We, we uh, Madhu and I, we can definitely do, do the sales pitches and things like that. So we can... We can take care of the sales, but we need to work on that pipeline to have more of these conversations with clients. Right now, we have been trying. Uh, we, of course, we have been going to the accelerators and getting help there. Uh, we have been trying to do uh, touch t- touches on on LinkedIn to connect to these uh, folks. But the marketing function, when we set it up, is going to get a lot of lot more leads, relevant leads into the pipeline, and that's where we would focus. How long is the sales cycle today when you have that first conversation with somebody on average, if you have an average yet, how long does it take to convert somebody over? Being a B2B, it's been a learning. It's, it, it has been a, a learning for us. So it does take months for a conversion. I would say um, we have seen conversions in six months and we have seen things that are taking much, much longer. In fact, uh, two and a half years later, uh, I would say there's one client in our pipeline. We have been talking to them for one and a half years. So it's, it's, it's a wide spectrum 
it, it also depends on depends on who you connect to and what time you connect to them, right? If they're having a pain point today, then it's a quick conversion because they feel the pain and they they see how that pain can be easily resolved. So it's a factor of when you connect to them uh, and, and what they're going through at that time. I'm so I'm mapping that to some of my. So we have a startup in our portfolio that has a pretty long sales cycle. The, mm-hmm. the one and a half year conversation resonates with me uh, for sure. Uh, and, and of course we have some that obviously close faster than that, but, but it's a, it, it's a long process. So I'm, I'm trying to think through, you know, things that we've played around with there, experimented with there. How has that, I guess, how has that translated into kind of the, I mean, you, you mentioned that you're doing some proof of concepts, right? Which is a nice way to try to get somebody to take that first step in a, in an enterprise sales cycle. Talk a little bit through that. Like, is that, is that standard? Pretty much every new client that you spin up, you start with a small proof of concept and then roll out from there. I'd, I'd love your thoughts there. And, and I'm, I'm asking this for totally selfish reasons to see if you have some magic that we haven't tried yet that, that we could uh, potentially try. Uh, that's uh, interesting you bring that up. I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday and, and he said, you know, why do you do pilots? Can you not just sell it to them and, and have them run with it? At this stage of our startup, being uh, so young in, 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 the, in, this, um, in this journey, uh, it's tough to have a client and say, hey, just jump on it. So it's, we, what we've seen is, it is an easier conversation uh, when we say, hey, do a pilot with us. You can do it for two, two months, one month uh, or three months and then see if it's relevant. See, we, it's, it's a benefit for us too. We don't want to be going to a client and, and then they uh, come onto our platform only to realize that it's, it's not something that, that is giving them benefit, right? So we would also want to do a pilot with, with companies so we know it's relevant for them. Uh, and then convert them to a to a long term client. So that's a that's a longer relationship if you do it that way. Uh, but yeah, we we start with the pilot uh, where we work with them, uh, we train their people, we configure the system with with their employees, and then we stride on ten to twenty uh, of their technicians or customers. And then th- that's a journey. That's a journey which might be two weeks to. Uh, 12 weeks and by the end of it we are pretty sure either it's no benefit uh, or maybe it's not the right time or it's great it's perfect let's get on with it and then then they end up being a very long-term customer in that process do you have any kind of regular customer success activities that you're doing and and i'll unpack that a little bit so like when i when i ask that question what i'm thinking about is you know in in our enterprise solution that we sell for example we've got you know we can we can kind of log in and we can look at have users have users been in the system have they run transactions when's the last time they ran a transaction like we can look at kind of daily weekly activities and get a feel for is this an active customer have they given up on it do we need an intervention of some sort to to try to figure out like are they not using it because they just don't have transactions to run through it or are they not using it because it was too hard and it's a training issue or a usability issue you know what i mean like so we during those pilots in particular and then you know obviously once our customer we're still doing this but maybe on a maybe it's a little bit less intense but what are you guys doing from a 
customer success perspective to make sure that while they're in pilot and then after the fact they're you know they remain an active and engaged user of the product and it doesn't just like yeah that was that was great and you know we used it for a while but then it kind of fell to the side and and we went back to the way we've always done things so we have dashboards at the highest level uh, within within snap support where we can look at what are the clients uh, who are engaged uh, how what kind of engagement we have had in the last week last month and then uh, so once the pilot starts madhu and myself we both uh, keep a personal look on on how they're using the system at least at the at the aggregate count level are they using the system if not uh, there are a couple of things we do one is we have weekly touch bases with them uh, we are always available uh, when they send an email we are we are immediately on it uh, trying to solve that problem uh, trying to get it resolved so so w- with the pilot customers we have what all of them all of them in fact have told us is you guys are so quick to respond with any problems that come up so we are always available we always touch base with them we have weekly calls with them and if we see that the usage is going down we reach out to our contact and say hey uh, do you want any guidance do you want us to give a training session what, what what's going on is there something we can do to help so we are very open flexible to do whatever it takes to make sure the pilot is going uh, going on track and if it's not how to get it back on track nice what's the biggest challenge you face today the whole product market fit is definitely a journey uh, you start with some, <laughs> <laughs> you start with something then you see how people are using it so you tweak uh, to, you tweak your product in various different ways to make it more of a fit for your for your customers so that is definitely uh, definitely a, a a journey a challenge that we've been through one of the other things we have seen is once a customer starts using the platform uh, we can pretty much tell in the first four weeks uh, where it's going to go uh, depending on the usage what is yeah what uh, man can you unpack that at all what are some of the key things that that make that clear to you i'm thinking back about a client we had we tried very hard with them to get them on the platform i almost think we tried too hard uh, and then once they were on the platform the initial uh, two days were good usage but then what we saw is and, and this could be the way the execution happened too because uh, it was just two people who were playing with it with the intention of expanding much bigger but those two people who were using the platform were so busy one of them was the was one of the leaders uh, within the company so he was so busy that that the usage didn't happen so it, it died a slow death there i think the problem there was the the right person has to be part of the pilot uh, the team that is experiencing the pain or the team that is going to experience the biggest benefit that leadership has to buy in on the on the pilot that will make it a successful execution because you have the right people on the on the pilot but in this case i think it's a factor of uh, the the one person who was leading the pilot was overloaded and had too many things going on so the engagement was not there and he was not able to drive that engagement down either got it when you look 
toward the future? What's the next big challenge you think you guys are going to have to overcome? So we are um, at a point where we, we will be uh, looking to raise a seed fund uh, in the next uh, six months or so. Uh, hopefully we get uh, some of these uh, pilots converted as well that will help us with the with evaluation. But yeah, we are looking to uh, biggest challenges, uh, you know, both Madhu and I are sort of newbies uh, in the fundraising <laughs> space. <laughs> you and everybody else don't feel bad about that. Yeah, it's 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 definitely a challenge that we see. Uh, fundraising is is new for us. Uh, we need to learn the ropes there, or connect to somebody who knows the ropes, and and get that get that funding done. But I think once we get that funding, uh, we are looking for a, a good uh, trip up uh, when we focus on marketing and sales using that phones. Those funds. Did it, this is one of those questions you don't have to answer? But did you? I'm super curious. Did you guys self fund it today? Yeah, we we just did a small friends and family round uh, about one thirty k back in December two thousand seventeen, and we have been other than that we've been self funded so far. Good for you. That's awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna end on a high note. Well, what are you personally? Uh, this this can be related to this could totally be related to the business or completely unrelated. What are you personally learning right now? could be hobby interest side passion what what is the thing that if i looked at either your nightstand or to see what book was there or some weird activity that you're super into right now what what is it well it's it's uh, so entrepreneurship has been uh, my dream for a long time so i used to live in philadelphia for a long long while uh, tried uh, something there on in the medical space with a couple of friends but it was not the right time it didn't it didn't happen then I moved to California because I know this is the place where you have the right energy and right people and right uh, the right ecosystem uh, for startups. Uh, so it's 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 startup is is what consumes my mind uh, all the time now with with Snap Support and it's it's been a great journey. It's been a great learning experience. Hopefully we can bridge that we we call that that big divide right from from being. Uh, a seed stage company to the next, uh, you know, Series A company. So, so it's 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 a, a great uh, experience. Just living the startup life, just living that dream. It's fantastic, and and that consumes uh, my thoughts uh, day in and day out. <laughs> awesome. Well, nothing wrong with that. That's for sure. <laughs> I've been there. Yeah, and it's fun. It's 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 like a, a constant high. There are lows many times, but. And the high, and the highs are great. <laughs> the highs are high, the lows are low. Lows yes. are low. Some lows are very low. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Wilker. If uh, folks would like to get in touch with you personally, how can they do that? And if they want to learn more about Snap Support, how can they do that? Uh, sure. So uh, we, our website is www.snapsupport one word dot io. Uh, you can also get in touch with me with me at Wilker W I L K E R at snapsupport.io or my personal email is Wilker at gmail.com. I got that pretty early. You got Wilker <laughs> at gmail.com? Yes, I did. <laughs> Holy cow. Were you like five when you got that? Uh, no, but it was, it was, uh, I jumped on it pretty early in the game. <laughs> <laughs> and that's I awesome. love it. That's, that's an awesome email idea I have. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty good. 
All right, Wilker, thank you, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. I do really appreciate Mike. This is this was a great conversation. Uh, you know, it's uh, you know, we'll look forward to more of these. Thank you so much, Mike. Appreciate it. If you're thinking of launching a SaaS product, startup competitors can provide data on your closest competitors, survey potential users, or provide other product validation services. Learn more at startupcompetitors.com.